Hi. Hey guys. Hi. I'm Betty LaRue. I'm Vivian Vega. And this is Revolution, Revolution Rosies. Oh, we almost was, had it that time. That was good. It's, it's really good. <laughs> show off your shirt okay yeah first and foremost because i don't want to like focus on this too much my shirt that i made uh is an abort the court shirt i'm obsessed with it i'm obsessed i with love it. it um i have been asked about making them and selling them and i've debated it with like proceeds going to um i don't know Do there's some options like, what about women women options them? yeah there's um also these like pilots who are giving free rides to women that need to go out of state which is really cool cool. yeah Yeah. that's super cool so um but i don't know if i'm gonna do it yet because it's uh it's it's not like a big ass like i'm like yes if you want the shirt i want to give it to you i just want to make sure that i am able to follow through with an order (laughs) yeah 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 totally yeah Yeah. i get you so um, I kind of thought, all right, so like, we know what's going on right now. I mean, we do, but we don't, it's fucking awful and it's horrible. Um, and like it is, it is somebody, somebody put it this way. And I thought it was such a good, like metaphor was like Roe v. Way was not the target. It was the arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's heading to the target. The target is to take away so many rights um they are coming for the lgbtq plus like family and crowd they are coming for civil rights um they're coming for your rights so absolutely everything they can get their mitts on yeah Yeah, absolutely so um and like i'm not gonna make the intro too awful long i'm sure that all of our listeners as well as ourselves have just been angry and seething and just like mad and just, just like upset. And, um, I debated cause this is, you know, my turn and I debated, you know, how much I love to talk about women's health and all of that sort of stuff. So of course I thought about like this episode, I was going to like go into like the real history of Roe v. Wade. And, and, um, and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I just am angry and I feel helpless. And I know that other people out there are feeling this way right now. So I decided to do something different than that. Way different than that. I decided to go with somebody who has always made me feel powerful as a woman. Um, Like who I, through my adolescence onto adulthood have uh, really looked to and leaned on in times of like just needing to feel power. Is it Melissa Um, Joan Hart? No, that's amazing. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, I, I went to one of my icons, um, one of my favorite musical icons. Um, Amos. One that I've been told I look a whole lot like. No, I knew it. 
<laughs> but honestly, like, like literally in time of need, she is my church. Um, you know, like I, so yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about Tori Amos today and she's a person who has done a lot and there's That's some really, you look so, pr- I mean, you always look so pretty, but you look <laughs> so pretty today. Thank you. Just got my hair done. Um, I asked specifically for, my, for this episode, for this episode, no, I, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I need my fiery red back. I need to become like that woman again. Um, when I was getting my hair cut, they were like, what do you want? And I was like, I need something between like Farrah Fawcett and nineties, Pam Anderson. She's like, okay, so big with lots of layers. And I was like, yes, very big with lots of layers. So, um, and it's actually a little small, but it's still pretty big right now. I teased yeah. it a bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm going yeah. for um, summertime beach. Um, yeah. Worked in the garden a little you today. Look, you look gorgeous. You mm. always look so freyish. Oh no! Um. Oh god! <laughs> I went. I weeded today. You look like literally glamorous, and I'm just like, um, I pulled weeds. So it's funny because when I got my hair done, uh, I asked Mike how I looked, and he was like, "There she is." He's like, because yeah. I, I just been kind of pushing away from that, like more cartoonish me. And I'm like, fuck it. No, like, I don't have to grow up. Fuck this. You absolutely sucks. never should. And that's why my hair is always a different color. Mine's peach right now, but it's fading. And I'm, I'm going to be green. I told you we're going to look like holiday lights soon. I love it. I love it. So, um, Tori tonight, Amos. yeah, tonight I'm going to drink bourbon. Again. Uh, I'm wearing my red lipstick. I'm wearing my abort the court and I'm going to talk about Tori Amos, which I'm pretty excited to do. Um, I know nothing about her except for songs. So. There, this is going to be a fun one because there are some like really fun, interesting things. So, um, and I kind of like, you could go on and on and on. She's one of those women. There's just so much about her. There's her discography is huge and like, she's still living and still doing things. So anyways, um, All right, let's go. Let's do this. Sorry. I know nothing okay. about her. So let's okay. go. So she was born Myra Ellen Amos um, on August 2nd of 1963 to Myra. Um, a minister, Edison McKinley Amos and Mary Ellen Copeland. And like the fact that her father was a minister plays a lot into a lot of her music and a lot of um, her background, but her um, maternal grandfather uh, and I forgot to write down, it's, it's something I'd like to look more into, um, but he was religious, but he wasn't religious in like the Christianity sense of religion. He was religious in the sense of like, we are spiritual beings on earth. And that kind of played a lot into like her feelings on religion and feelings on spirituality growing up. Um, and you see that in a lot of her music. Um, so by the time this is so cool. You're going to love this. By the time she could reach a piano, Tori taught herself to play. When she was two, she could reproduce music she had only heard once. Jeez, By the time she was three, she was composing her own songs. Um, she has what is known as chromistiasia um, or sound to color synthesia which is a type of synthesia in which sound involuntary in, involuntarily evokes an experience of color, shape, and movement. Yeah, so individuals with um, this are constantly aware. They know that it's happening um, and it associates, like they, so it, it, it happens with their like everyday life, their perception of their everyday like you life. You see a color and you hear a sound. No, no, like you hear 
you hear music and you see colors. Oh, it's the opposite. So it's you, the opposite. You, so when you like hear you, music, oh, it produces crazy. images and, and color and stuff. Wouldn't that drive you nuts? I mean, like it's like, okay. So I feel like I would get anxiety all the time. <laughs> so, so this is the way that she explains it. She says the song appears as light filament. Once I've cracked it, as long as I've been doing this, which is more than 35 years, I've never seen the same light creature. She calls it a creature in my life. Obviously similar chord progressions follow similar, similar light patterns, but try to imagine the best kaleidoscope ever. After the initial excitement, you start to focus on each element, stunning, stunning original detail. For instance, the sound of the words with the sound of the chord progression combined with the rhythm manifests itself into a unique expression of the architecture of color and light. Um, so it's just, how cool is that? That is like cool. you hear I mean, music yeah. and it's like kaleidoscope in your head and you can see each individual piece of music yeah, yeah. as its own like creature being like, it's so cool. I mean, that makes, I feel like that would make composing it maybe yeah. easier for, for you. And maybe that's why she was able to do it at such a young age, you know, yeah, and thinking of like crazy. Yeah. And thinking of like composing a song or not composing, but like being able to play a song you've only heard once you're not just like hearing it, you're experiencing it, you're seeing it. So she's like, well, this was red and blue and like, and then you can play it, which is super cool. So at five, she became the youngest student ever admitted to the proprietary proprietary division of the Peabody Conservatory of Music. She was five and was accepted into Peabody Conservatory of Music. She studied classical piano at Peabody from 1968 to 74. In 74, when she was 11, her scholarship was discontinued and she was asked to leave because they said that she was like being rebellious. Um, She started getting into rock music, but also she refused refused to read music, Um, which I'm like, if you could see music, (laughs) this is boring. This is boring. I don't want to read it. I can see it. Um, But yeah, so she got kicked out of school at 11 because like she wouldn't read the music. (laughs) Um, So at 13, she began playing at gay bars and piano bars chaperoned by her father, which is another thing I really love. Like her minister father. I was going to say, yeah. Bringing her into gay bars to play. Yeah. So she started to perform under the middle name Ellen, her middle name Ellen, but permanently adopted Tori after a friend's boyfriend told her she looked like a Tori pine tree, which is native to like the West Coast. But he told, like, and that's another ongoing theme with Tori Amos, who is a stunningly beautiful woman, stunningly beautiful woman. But like for all of her life is constantly told, like, you're not pretty enough for pop music. You're not what a Tory pine tree is because what it's like this, like, I, I imagine maybe she was really thin because I looked at the, the tree, it's a Tory pine and it's very like spindly. You get what I'm saying? Like it's, I, and imagining maybe she just had, cause her hair, I think has a natural curl maybe to it. So I'm looking at the Tory pine and it actually looks pretty full. Yeah, but like the 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 there's like a twistiness to its to its actual. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. It's very weird. I've never yeah. seen a tree that looks like this. It's and can you imagine telling a human they look like a tree? Where do you get off, sir? <laughs> sir, also sir, where very you specific. That's a very specific thing to say to a person. She's like, and you're brown. Your color in my head is like poop, like that green brown. <laughs> That's you. 
Um, you're a khaki color how does that feel you're khaki you're khaki but like baby poop green khaki Mm. so so take that to the bank sir um so anyways so she was signed to atlantic records after jason flume flew flew to baltimore to audition her in person and in 1984 she moved to la to pursue from pursue her musical career um so her first step into the musical career was in 1986 uh in a band called why with like just the letter why can't spelled with a k why can't tori read <laughs> and it was in reference to the fact that she got kicked out of the peabody school for not reading music so it's like why can't tori read um and so she can see evidently yeah so um and I thought, I, I looked up the music video. There's one music video that you can find online. And it's very like, I mean, like it was 80, like 86, they released their first album. And the music video was very Tori Amos, but like 86 Tori Amos. <laughs> um, so and you, this is really kind of crazy too. Uh, among its members was drummer Matt Sorum. Do you know who he is? Yeah. From the MTV 19, guys. Yeah, who in 1990 would go on to join Guns N' Roses oh isn't that weird that is weird (laughs) why Um, I don't know so yeah so and then um also a guitarist that she ended up working with like throughout her career oh Matt Sorum the drummer of the drummer of Guns N' Roses yeah that's weird (laughs) that is weird when he left her band he ended up going to the cult I was thinking and then I was thinking of um the bald VJ (laughs) oh okay (laughs) I was like, I mean, yeah, he's from MTV. He was in Guns N' Roses. No, I was thinking of, um, oh, fuck, it doesn't even matter. You know, the bald guy from yeah. MTV. Matt Pinfield. <laughs> oh, God. Matt Sorum. Matt different Sorum. guy. Completely different guy. Um, so the band released one album in 1986 that was a commercial failure. And they disbanded shortly after. But Tori was still under contract with Atlantic Records that she had to get. It was a six album contract. Like, okay, well, you've given us one album. And even though you don't oh, have a band anymore, you have to give us five more. Six is a big ask. That's a big ask. So on January of 1992, her first solo album, Little Earthquakes, was released first in the UK, where it peaked at number 14 in the charts. And in the US, the album reached top 60 of the Billboard's 200. So this album, which is her like first solo album, it's frequently regarded as the one of the greatest albums of all time. It was voted 73 in Colin Larkin's all time 1000. What albums. year is this? 92 is when that okay. one was released. Okay. Um, and then it was ranked 233 on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. Damn. But like Little Earthquakes is an amazing album. And I'm sorry, um, this was her first solo? Her first solo Jesus. album. I mean, okay. like she's a prodigy. Um, this is also the album where she first mentions in her lyrics, author Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in Tear in Your Hand, the song Tear in Your Hand, that said, she says, if you need me, me and Neil will be hanging out with the Dream King in referencing one of his graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Neil, Neil became a fan of hers and they became like close friends uh, throughout their entire life. So um, and I'm going to do like a little side thing with her and Neil Gaiman, uh, they would go on to be each other's like endless muses. Um, the character Delirium from his, uh, series, The Sandman is inspired by Tori. Uh, 
Gay men has stated that they steal shamelessly from each other. Uh, she wrote the foreword to his collection, Death, uh, The High Cost of Living. He wrote the introduction to comic book, comic book Tattoo, which is a graphic novel comprised of 50 stories, each based on or inspired by one of Tori Amos's songs. I need that graphic novel. That um, have so you read awesome. American Gods? Because I just read it. I haven't. And um, oh my God, it was like, it changed my whole like life. I seriously, whole, like, I could not put it down. I could not yeah. put it down. I do need to read Neil Gaiman because like his oh stuff my is God. like, well, and then, so Gaiman's the godfather to her daughter. He wrote a poem for her daughter's birth called Blueberry Girl. And that was published as a children's book, children's book in 2009. In 2019, she performed the British standard A Nightingale Sang in Berkeley Square over the closing credits of Good Omens. Ugh, um, such so a like, good book and show. Oh, it's such, such a good show. Such a good show. And I like heard Tori in it. In it. I was like, that's, that's Tori Amos. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but they're like, they're best friends and they're constantly that's doing cute. crossover stuff. So I just think they're it's cute. really cute. Like yeah. she mentions him in her first album and he was like, She's talking about me. <laughs> we should be friends. <laughs> we should be friends. And they are. They're like besties. So it's good. really, really cute. That's good. That's good. So from 93 to 2000, she released four more albums, including my personal favorite, Under the Pink, which debuted um, on its like release in the UK. It debuted at number one in 94. Um, and oh, also, I wanted to mention just as a personal note, um, in tear in your hand, that also has one of the lyrics that I find the most like relatable and sad. It's like a breakup song. And she says in it, maybe she's just pieces of me you've never seen. And it's so like relatable, but like you see someone you love with like with somebody else and you're like, maybe I'm her too. Maybe I could be like, oh, anyways, I love that lyric. But yeah, she released Under the Pink. It was number, it was number one in the UK in 94. Um, and then in 98, she married sound engineer, Mark Hawley. Um, and they had a daughter, Natasha Loren Hawley, and she was born in 2000. And Natasha and Tori actually released a song called Promise Together in 2014, which is this like beautiful back and forth song between a mother and a daughter. And it's like literally like, you know, promise me that you'll believe me when people say things to you. And she's like, promise me you'll never like leave yourself. Like, it's just a really beautiful, like mother daughter song and all the things that like all the conversations that either you do have with your mother or you wish you could have with your mother. And it's really, really, really nice now having a daughter, like having that connection. Cause like, Mm -hmm. it's one thing, like being a daughter I think and then now having one because like I had a son and it's you know it's I always had that strong connection with him but then now having a daughter it's like okay now I can relate to like what my mom must have felt like having you know that female like that connection with like yeah. Okay. Like raising this little girl, like, Oh God, now you have, I have to teach this little girl to be soft, but also fight, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I want you to be delicate, like a beautiful little sweet flower, but you like, but oh, delicate fuck. like a bomb. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> shit. You also have to know 
how to protect you. And yeah. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah. You know, and I want to know how to do that, but it's, it's tricky. Yeah. It's a tricky situation. Sorry, I just want to attract, but no, it's, but I mean, like, it's so important and it's so true. And that's, I mean, like, honestly, that's one of the things like in Tori Amos's music that is always, that's kind of why I gravitated towards her for this episode is like her music, all of her albums, they are, they are somewhere between her fight with her religious upbringing um, and God and himself and her fight with her, like, I am a powerful, beautiful human creature, beautiful, like female power, but also this like fight of like female sexuality and like what is taken from us. And it's a good balance. Like you it's have just, to know and to... it's this just, yeah. If you've never really like listened to it, like she unabashedly there's a song that she sings and she would sing it live often and it's me and a gun is the name of the song and it depicts her rape Mm. um she was raped actually at knife point she changed it to gun in the song but she was raped at knife point when she was 22 and she like relays everything about the instance and how like things that he said to her and even like how she wouldn't drive home after it happened because she was afraid he would follow her and like the whole thing and it's like and it's her her music is the entirety of being a woman and and also with my personal like upbringing it has that like that anger towards like God from the religious background and like the the lack of the need for God. Right. Um, And so like, it has all of that and it speaks very closely to me. Um, So, yeah. yeah. So shortly after she gave birth to her daughter, she decided to do a cover album. So she wrote songs or she took songs that had been written by men about women and reversed the gender roles to reflect a woman's perspective in them. Um, and that album became Strange Little Girls. Um, and it was released in 2001. The album was a concept album with artwork featuring her photographed in character of the women portrayed in each of the songs. So she she does like Eminem's Bonnie and Clyde. And um, oh, what are some of the other ones? She does one from the Beatles and just like a lot of, uh, a whole bunch of different songs. She does them on piano in like her Tori Amos way. Um, but she, she like flips them, gender reverses them. Yeah. Um, but she also later revealed, so she, you know, this was her sixth album, uh, with, uh, with Atlantic and she revealed like, I didn't want to give them any more of my music. So I finished my contract with a cover album. Ah, smart. Right. Very smart. That's very smart. Yeah. So for her. Yeah. Um, so, so I think this is a good spot for us to do a little ad. All right. Uh, well, this episode of Revolution Rosies is brought to you by Promo West Productions. If you're interested in catching shows around the Columbus area, you can check out these shows at the Newport Music Hall, Muna on August 2nd, The Regrets on August 4th, Trevor Hall on August 7th and Jungle on September 11th, my son and my dad's birthday. <laughs> um, and if you want to check out Kimba Live, check out The Dispatch and OAR on August 7th and Andrew McMahon and Dashboard Confessionals on August 8th, Andrew Bird and Iron and Wine on August 9th and Lowie on August 23rd. 
To purchase tickets, go to axs.com or visit promowestlive.com for more showtimes and information. Okay. We're getting better at our ads, I think. <laughs> I think so too. Um, and like, so just like a little off topic, but in my early twenties, when I was living by myself and I would struggle sleeping, I cannot listen to like the radio or music that like, I'm not like, I, I can only listen to like piano. So in my early twenties, when I would struggle with sleeping and my anxiety and stress and stuff, it would mm-hmm. either be literally, I would listen to classical piano or I would listen to under the pink. Dude, and it's the only thing listen, I could sleep to. Um, I have been listening to lately. Um, we've been falling asleep to this like background of like the New York city skyline and like you're inside of like a New York city penthouse and it's like soft jazz playing and like snow Mm. is falling outside. And it's like this big giant window. And I'm just like, this is the dream. I'm manifesting. I (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know it's so good. Um, but anyways, yeah. So under the pink is what, like it, just piano music or what is happening no so it's it's an album that like I know by heart okay (laughs) and you don't have to focus too much on it right and it's like and it's piano and I find piano soothing like absolutely it's it's like built into me so that um, wasn't off topic at all that was completely on topic (laughs) yeah yeah it was um so (laughs) where we left Tori was that she you know she had uh, fulfilled her contract with Atlantic, Atlantic, um, and after 15 years, she left them and signed on with Epic in late of 2001. So in October of 2002, this one might be one that you're a little more in, um, familiar with. She released Scarlet's Walk, um, which was another concept album. Um, the single that was first released from that is uh, a sort of fairy tale, and it's a really beautiful song. Um, and in the music video, it has Adrian Brody as her love interest. Such a dreamboat. Right. It's written. The song itself is, of course, all of her music is very like erythral. What is the word I'm looking for? Ethereal. Thank you. Ethereal. And that's what we're here for. You (laughs) have my back. I have yours. Right. (laughs) Um, So she described this as a sonic novel. The um, album explores her alter ego, Scarlet, intertwined with her cross country concert tour following 9-11. Through the songs, she explores topics such as the history of America, American people, Native American history, pornography, uh, machismoism, homophobia, and misogyny. Whoa. Or masochism too. Sorry. Uh, the album had strong, a strong debut. It was number seven on the billboards and it's her last album to date that reached certified gold. All right. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then in 2000, from 2005 to now she has released 10 more albums um, which cover everything. I'm sorry. Like, you said from 2005 to five now? To now. She's, she's released, released 10? Okay. 10 more albums. Yeah. So okay. I mean, like, that's an not album, so bad. Almost like, okay. Yeah. It's almost like every other year or so. Okay. Okay. Um, but the albums cover everything from Christmas to classical music uh, to the stories of the uh, Gnostic Gospels. Um, which the Gnostic Gospels are the removal of women from position of power within the Christian church. 
So she has an Uh, album called The Beekeeper. um, And she did a lot of studying into like essentially what Christianity was before it was Christianity and how, when it became Christianity. The Beekeeper? The Beekeeper. That one sounds, I'm writing it down. I want to... So it like goes that on my Spotify right now. Yeah. yeah, It goes into it. It like it, it, yeah, it talks about, um, essentially how Christianity before it was Christianity involved women in the church and women in power and Christianity was a way to push women out of power and out of the church. Yeah. That's, um, Um, I'm putting that on my Spotify because that sounds really interesting. I, I want to, um, I've been really into like that whole learning about because we have neighbors right now that keep trying to force the Bible on my son. Oh no. Have you looked them straight in the eye and say, do not indoctrinate my son. Um, so they keep doing it when we're not around even creepier. Right. Isn't that weird? It's creepy. Isn't that weird? Trying to bring my child into your cult when I'm not around. I am. So we are going to get like the witchiest, um, like welcome mat that we can. And we're going to be like, listen, stop. You should definitely look. We don't try to force this on you. Yeah. We don't try to force this on you. Stop trying to force your stuff on my son. And it's he keeps, disgusting. You know what he said? I think he said this the last time. He's like, I don't like to read. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, you should tell him the next time he's like, I don't like to read fiction. Well, I think he actually, I think he actually said, um, I think he said this to them once. He at least told us this. He's like, I believe in multiple gods. Like, I don't <laughs> like there's, there's other things. Like, yeah, I, don't, I think why, what is happening? Um, which reminds me, I mean, like kind of reminds me, give me a second. I want to look at something really quickly because if you're into that and you're really interested, I think that you should look into, because this stems from her relationship with her grandfather and her grandfather um, was a pan, panatheist, pan, pantheistic, pantheistic, which is the belief that reality is identical with divinity or that all things compose an all-encompassing imminent God or goddess. So they do not recognize for me. P-A-N-T-H-E-I-S-M. Pantheism. Pantheism. Yes. And a panatheist and there's, yeah. So, um, so they do not recognize a distinct personal God. Yeah. Um, but instead, characterize a broad range of doctrines offering the forms of relationships between like spiritual spiritualism yeah. and humanity. So um yeah I sweet think that notably would... uh Sikhs, Hinduism. Uh so Hinduism is a type of pantheism. Buddhism. So cool. I think that her like relationship between her father being a minister and then pantheism coming from her grandfather led her into this, like almost like a goddess within type of um, personal. It's like she had that religion background, but she was like, I know there's something here, Mm -hmm. but. And she speaks a lot about like going to Joshua tree and, and sitting and eating like lunches under Joshua tree and experiencing her own form of God there. 
Yeah. And just like a very spiritual like a nature, a nature. Yeah. God like a very thing. spiritualistic really. type thing. So, like and I, I cool. really, yeah. And so, um, and then, yeah, she, she goes into how Christianity essentially was a way to kick women out of the church. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. That doesn't seem relevant at all. Um, <laughs> so, um, in June of 1994, the rape abuse and incest national network uh, also known as RAIN, which is a toll-free helpline in the U.S. connecting callers with their local rape crisis center, was founded. So in 1994, this is founded. Amos, who um, talks about her rape at night point very openly, um, answered the ceremonial first call to launch that hotline. So the first call came in. Does that, that still hotline. exist? Because I feel like that's going to be a real big... Um... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if you've heard or not, uh, but some assholes. Yeah, it's still, that. still very, very much Good alive deal. and well. We will have to. And if that. you need it, and if you need it, the, um, the hotline, uh, let's see, is 800-656-HOPE. 1-800-656-HOPE. Okay. Not only did I have a post-it conveniently here, but I also found like the world's best pen ever just randomly. Holy shit. This wrote Ooh. so well. Fantastic. Wow. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, like, cause nowadays rapists get to choose the mothers of their children mm-hmm. against their consent. So, um, we, we got the number. I will post it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in September of 2013, Amos's musical project adaptation of the light princess, which is, um, a it's George McDonald's, the light princess. Uh, it's a fairy tale that kind of pulls from like, almost like, um, I want to say like sleeping beauty. It pulls that kind of sleeping beauty kind of background, um, in the light princess, the original fairy tale, the princess, his, her, her father, the King doesn't invite his sister to the christening of the baby or whatever it is. And so she curses her to never be able to put her feet on the ground. She curses her oh. with like no gravity. Um, and it's not only, is it like in a very physical real sense, but she's also very like in the, in the air with her head as well. And so she never, she like never touches ground until she finds her true love. Um, so though it's it like until she finds love that grounds her, mm, okay. which is a very beautiful way to do a fairy tale rather than just be like, and then he kissed her. And it's like, no, no, no. She finds the person that helps like ground her. Totally. Um, so anyways, she wrote a musical adaptation, um, of the light princess and it is named the light princess. And it, uh, premiered at London's Royal National Theater and ran until February of 2014. So it started in September of 2013 and ran until 2014. Uh, its lead actress, uh, Rosalind Craig, she, and, and the Light Princess itself, the, the uh, musical itself, were nominated for Best Musical and Best Musical Performance, res- respectively, at the Evening Standard Award. And uh, the lead actress, Rosalind, won the Best Musical Performance uh, nice. for that category. Yeah. So 
Um, and like I was saying earlier, I could go on and on and on about her, um, discography, her, I mean, like there's so much that she's done. There's so much she's still doing. She's actually on tour right now. My sister has tickets to go see them or to go see her, uh, which I'm very jealous of. Um, I can't believe you're not going. That's <laughs> I know. I like, well, my Danae was like, Hey, do you want to get tickets for Becky? And you know, like, to, and I was like, if she goes, I'm going with her. Like if we buy tickets for her, I'm going with her. And so we were going to buy tickets. And today was like, oh, I was thinking of her and Chris going. I'm like, Chris, I I would be right? there enjoying it more what? with Becky than he would. Like, um, but then Chris bought it for her for her birthday. And we're damn like, damn it, Chris. Fine. If you're fine. listening to this, damn it, Chris. <laughs> damn it, Chris. Um, damn it, anyways, Chris. I'm going to make a whole, you know what? He's following us on TikTok. I'm going to make a whole TikTok where I specifically put a picture up of Tori Amos and I just say, damn it, damn Chris. It, Chris. And that's all like, it what? Says. what is this? And, and I'll tag um, him in it even. <laughs> so one of the things that, uh, so anyways, like, like she's got lots of awards. She's got lots of accolades, do, 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 you know? Yeah. But one of the ones I wanted to point out, um, was that in 2019, she received outstanding, outstanding contributions to music from the George Peabody medal, <laughs> which I just love. <laughs> it comes full it. circle. Full it circle. comes full circle. For circle. Tori can't read or why can't Tori read? That is <laughs> but, funny. That is outstanding funny. Outstanding contribution to music. Um, and then glamour in 1998 gave her woman of the year. Um, and then she has also received five MTV VMA nominations eight Grammy award nominations. She won the echo classic award for, um, yeah, this one I also found was really interesting. She won an echo classic award for her night of hunters, classical crossover music. So she made a classical album and received a classical album award. So she's like one of the only crossover people to have ever done that. Nice. Um, she has listed BH1's 100 Greatest Women of Rock and Roll at number 71. Um, and there was another one that I wanted to mention. I forgot. I was going to write this one down. One of her songs, one of her releases, I can't remember. It was the first song to be released streaming online before it was released, before the album was released. It was like the first song to ever do that. Um, and I forgot to write that down. But um, so yeah, a little bit about Tori Amos, who is, like I said, kind of my sanctuary where I was like, I'm really angry. I need to feel empowered. I'm going to go here because this is where I feel the most. Empowered. I'm, you know what? I'm so glad that you told me about her because I truly didn't know anything about her except, Hey, my best friend looks like her and <laughs> is this really happening? It's all I knew. Yeah. It's all I, mean, I knew. Her songs are, are really beautiful. They're very strong. Um, there's one, I mean, like, and they're very just like real. It's very real music. Like, and so she's got a song called The Waitress. And it's an entire song about like when she was in LA and she was working as a waitress and another woman, she was like, I want to kill this waitress. Like the literal lyrics are, I want to kill this waitress. Um, like she, and she's like, but I believe in peace, bitch. 
<laughs> it's like so realistic. It's so like I was just working with this woman and I wanted to murder her. And I was like, why are you so violent? You don't believe in violence, but I wanted to kill her. I and, get it. And it's so relatable. And right. It's so real. And it's so just like, I don't know. And like I said, like tear in your hand is this beautiful song about, you know, like losing a relationship. And I said, there's there, the, the waitress one is like pounding on like the piano keyboards and it's anger and you feel that anger. And like, I love to just like scream to that song. But then there's songs that like winter, I almost danced with my father at our wedding too. And I couldn't even get through the idea of dancing with that song without sobbing. So you're like, um, no, can't do that one. Can't do that one. Uh, I still ended up crying the entire time dad and I danced at my wedding the entire time, just like tears in my face. Cause I am a wimp. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, like, yeah, it, I thought that instead of focusing on the bad, instead of well, like focusing you on like still, what, what you we did lost, was you took the idea of what is happening and you, you did what she did and you took that balance of like what she would do basically you're like okay well this sucks and um I'm gonna make this like hey this fucking blows but I'm gonna make this like a powerful moment Mm -hmm. and I'm going to serve it up in the only way I know how to do it yeah and and yeah I thought a lot about bringing you know, a story about what we've lost. And I'm like, Oh God, I just can't do it anymore. I've been listening and reading about everything that we've lost. And I was like, I, I want to bring something that says like, this is the power we have. Yeah. Yep. And I want, I want people to feel powerful because we're powerful and we did it before. We'll do it again. Um, We have to, they're, they're only doing this because they're fucking scared of us. Yep. They're scared of us. They're scared of women. They're scared of the power that women bring to the table. They are scared of like black America. They're afraid that they are going to no longer be the minor, the majority. And they do not like how the minority is treated. So they're scared of the the minority becoming the majority. And so they want to keep down their women to make sure their women are still having babies. They don't like the power that women have. They don't like the power that the LGBTQ plus has. They don't like the fact that they almost got into office. Yeah. They're angry. They're angry that a black president was the one of the best presidents we've ever had. And that he did not, he did it with dignity and grace and is still doing it with dignity and grace. And they're mad about it. Yeah. They are afraid of our power. And that's why they are doing everything they can to take, to take it away. away our power. Yep. Absolutely. And that's what it is. It's because we're powerful. Yep. And that's what we have to keep in mind. They do it to keep, to take away our power. Absolutely. And, and I wanted to bring power instead of fear. Yep. We, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. We can't just sit back and that's, no. that's what we have to do. But you did great. And I think it was a beautiful episode. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for the education. I'm glad I taught you something. I was like, absolutely did. I didn't know how much you knew about Tori Amos. Like literally nothing. (laughs) So, and I was like, she's going to love, she's going to love the color thing. She's going to love the Neil Gaiman thing. Absolutely. (laughs) So read, read American gods, read good omens. Yeah. Read Coraline. Yeah. Coraline. I always forget that that, that Coraline's his. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched it yesterday. Very good. Because you know what? 
in my head, it's Halloween. And um, I'm already thinking witchy thoughts and I'm a summer person. Oh, <laughs> not me. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Hate it. Over it. Mm. Done. Done, done, done. All right. Well, thank you so much for Tori Amos. Thank you for you being you. And thank you for being gorgeous on this very hot summer day. Yeah. It started to get warm in here. So, well, I love you. I love you too. And your lipstick and a raise hell. Goodbye. Bye. This episode was researched, written, and produced by Vivian Vega and Betty LaRue. Our intro and outro was written and performed by our very own Vivian Vega with her band Electro Cult Circus. Our logo is by Amanda Braskett. If you're more of a visual person, head over to our YouTube for the video of this episode. You can also check out images to go along with each episode and added bonuses by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Revolution Rosies. You can send us your art, your inspirational women, and stories about amazing things you have done to revolutionrosies at gmail.com or on our website at revolutionrosies.com. Revolution Rosies is a member of the Loudcat Podcast Network. Loudcat.